I think let's go to John chapter 11. This whole week, some of you might have heard some of the messages, but this whole week I've been speaking about life and everlasting life and immortal life and everything the Word says about life. So, I mean, we're not, we haven't finished with everything, but we're going to touch on something today about life. So, uh, so death is an enemy. And I want you to understand this. Death is not something that the last thing that you need to go through. No, death. some people think death is the way to heaven. Death is the way to the Father. Death is not the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father. So if someone should die, yes, they shall live because they will be received by Christ and they will be in heaven with him. They will be in heaven with him because already in the living, as someone is born again, they are already one with Christ where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, which means Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, which also means Philippians chapter 3, it says our conversation is in heaven. So we now have fellowship. Psalm 91 says those who dwell in the secret place, which is heaven shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So the secret place is a place in the Spirit, and it's a place to which He has given us access through the veil that is, that is torn. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 says, He opened up a fresh new living way for us through the separating curtain that is through His flesh by the power in the blood of Jesus Christ. So we have a new way, and we have a door into that way, and Jesus said in John chapter 10, I am the door. So Jesus and his body broken, which is the cross, is the door to the Father. Nothing else. Death is not the door. Jesus went through death for you so that you might not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. So yes, I, I, I know if someone dies, they go to heaven, sure. But it's because they're already there. All right? So uh, the opposite is also true. So we need in our natural lifespan to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ to such an extent that this life, this life of Christ with which he raised Christ from the dead, Romans 8, 11, touches our mortal body. I'm not going to repeat the whole week, so just go watch the messages. And there's others on YouTube. There's a playlist on life. So these messages are just added. There's others as well. Okay. So now... I want you to see something in John chapter 11. Uh, Jesus, um, this is now with the death of Lazarus. So I'm going to read and let's go and let's see how far we go. Okay, so he says, A certain man named Lazarus was ill. He was of Bethany, the village where Mary and his sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one anointed uh, who anointed the Lord with perfume, perfume and wiped his, his feet with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was now sick. So the sister sent him saying, Lord, he whom you love so well is sick. Then uh, when Jesus heard, received the message, he said, the sickness is not to end in death, but on the contrary, it's to honor God and to promote his glory that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That doesn't mean Jesus made him sick. Just says Jesus said, God will be honored in this sickness circumstance because He will bring healing and life. All right, so healing and life is always God's agenda. His will. I just want to just clear this up for maybe anyone who has a doubt. The will of God is revealed 
concerning your forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. You can just believe it. The will of God is revealed concerning your healing. The healing of your sickness. He sent his word to heal them. Uh, the will, he healed every, Jesus revealed the fullness of God. He revealed the will is the express image of God. If you saw Jesus, you saw the Father, John 14. So Jesus healed all of them. Everyone, every sick person he met, he healed. So the one guy said, Lord, if you will, the, the, the uh, guy with leprosy, one of the 10, you know, or 11, how many were they? 10. So he said, he came back. He said, Jesus said, where's the others? Okay. But he said, if, I may be mixing up stories now. Okay. He said, if you will, you, you, you'll heal me. Jesus said, I will. He sorted it out right there. I will. God's will concerning healing is revealed. God's will concerning life is revealed because Hebrews chapter 2 says, he, through, by going through death, uh, destroyed him who had power over death, that is the devil. So Jesus said, John chapter 10, the thief have, uh, has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. So Jesus' agenda is to give you life. The, the will of God concerning uh, forgiveness and sickness and uh, forgiveness and, and healing and life is revealed. And also finances, he's already blessed you with all things. You are already an heir. Joint air with Christ. Everything that he, is, that he has is yours. So the will is revealed. Then we don't pray, Lord, if it be thy will. Because it destroys your faith. Now there's two options. And faith. Faith is a response to the word which brings the reality. Do you hear? So Lord, if it be thy will. The will is revealed. We don't know. We know the will. It's not a mystery anymore. So now we don't say, if it be thy will. We say, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, be healed. That's what we say. All right? Just wanted to clear that up. Okay. Right, so, Marth, uh, where are we? He says, Jesus loved Marth and his, and his sister and Lazarus. They were dear friends and held them in loving esteem. Therefore, even when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he still stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. Okay, so he loved them. Therefore, he stayed two days longer where he was. So I just want you to see Jesus' motivation was not to try and prove a point. His motivation was love. And he did only what he saw the Father doing, and that settles the question. Okay. Therefore, even when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he still stayed two days long in the same place. Uh, then after that interval, he said to his disciples, let us go back again to Judea. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews only recently were intending in trying to stone you, and you thinking of going back, back there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? Anyone who walks in the daytime does not stumble, but, uh, because he sees by the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he does stumble, because there's no light in him. The light is lacking to him. He says, said these things and then added, Our friend Lazarus is at rest and he's sleeping, but I'm going there that I might awaken him out of his sleep. The disciples answered, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will recover. Jesus is like, uh, okay, let me just speak plainly. 
Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he referred to the refreshing natural sleep. So then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So to Jesus, waking up someone from the dead is like waking up someone from a sleep. It's not very difficult. You have to kind of tiptoe not to do it. Okay. Verse 15. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there. It will help you to believe, to trust, rely on me. However, let us go to him. So just think of this. Jesus knew what was going to happen. So he knew now that Lazarus is dead. But according to the Jewish custom, customs, the, the soul would hang around there for a couple of days. So after three days of being dead, this guy, the soul is, he can't get up again. The soul is gone. He's departed. Okay? So this is all the more demonstrating the miracle. Verse 16. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go too, that we may die and be killed along with him. It's like, ah, oh, Thomas. Okay. So when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. So now past three days. Okay. In the tomb already four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and a considerable number of Jews had gone out to see Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him while Mary remained sitting in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Awesome revelation. Because if Jesus is there, they heals all of them. There's no ways he would have died if Jesus was there. And even now I know that whatever you ask, ask from God, he will grant it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Okay, so I want you to see, and I say this every time I read the scripture. So uh, when he, she saw Jesus jump to the past tense, so if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then he said, your brother shall rise. Then she jumps to the, to the future. Martha replied, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am. So if you want a miracle, you need a relationship with Jesus now. I am. Okay? So I am his present right now, stretching out his hand for your miracle of healing, for your miracle of life, for everything that you need, your miracle of provision. But in the moment, right now, forever now, now faith is the substance of things out In the now moment, in the forever present, eternal connection we have with him. In your mind, you need to now be present with God. All right? I am myself the resurrection and the life. So don't make movies in your head of how the bad stuff's going to happen. Don't think... Having grudges in your head of how the bad stuff happened and you didn't see anything happen. He's with you now. And connect with him now and know who he is now. Right? Those who come to God must believe that he is and the reward of them that diligently seek him. Okay. Oh my goodness. All right. Someone is trying to call me on Facebook. 
Okay, there we go. And whoever, okay, let me just get to this. Okay, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, yet he shall live. Although he may die, yet he shall live. So that is what everyone has been believing. And at funerals, they preach the scripture, but they stop there. They don't read verse 26. Although he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever continues to live and believes in me shall never actually die at all. Do you believe this? Okay, so I said this also during this week. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection, group one, and the life, group two. Whoever believes in me, although he may die, yet he shall live. One. So, I mean, someone dies, they die, but we know, we believe in the resurrection, and they will live, and then they will live forever. Do you get it? And their spirit will live forever. The spirit doesn't die, their body died. Okay, so everyone, everyone is, is there. No one, okay, so that's group one. Group two. And whoever continues to live and believe has faith in me shall never actually die at all. Do you believe this? So Jesus said, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, John 6, you will have no life in you. So Jesus said, I am the bread that comes down from heaven. People said, it's such a hard saying. Who can hear this? And they all left. Jesus turned to the to the. Uh, the 12 he said do you also want to go Peter said with you are the words of life where shall we go we can't go anywhere with you are the words of life all right so just because it sounds strange and you've never heard it preached but you see it's so simply written there in the bible just because it sounds strange doesn't mean it's not god right so god says yes sure if you struggle to believe the second part, although you may die, yet you shall live. And we haven't seen much evidence to the contrary, have we? But there's a group, he says. Uh, and whoever continues to live and believes, continues to live and believe, continues to live and believe, shall never actually die at all. So there's a difference between dying and going to heaven, being resurrected in eternal life, and not dying. There's a difference. Please say, shall never die at all. Do you believe this? Uh, she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. The Son of God, even he who has come into the world. Okay, so she did believe that he was Christ, but she specifically said what she believed. She, 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 she couldn't really take it that he was the one that brought immortality to the sea. Okay, so uh, there are two groups. And if we can believe this, I always say it's a window of opportunity. Your natural life is a window of opportunity. Natural life. You're alive, but it's a natural life. 
in your natural life, you need to receive the spiritual life. You need to receive the Holy Spirit by faith in the gospel. You need to get saved and get born again. So your spirit lives forever, so you'll be raised at the last day. Okay? But you know that this window of opportunity, if, if you, Romans 8 verse 10 says, the spirit, uh, although your spirit is alive or life, because of uh, the righteousness that he imputes to you. Your body is dead by reason of sin and guilt. It says, although your body be dead by reason of sin and guilt, the spirit is life. Or the spirit is alive because of the righteousness that he imputes to you by grace. Verse 10. But then he says, verse 11, but if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will also restore to life your mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through his spirit who dwells inside you. So it's a spirit life that needs to manifest. And the spirit life that manifests manifests by faith, and faith, faith works through love. So we need to get this. Yes, we are saved, but you're not fully saved. Your spirit is safe. Your soul needs to be saved. Your body needs to be saved. So we are transformed, says Romans chapter 12, by the entire renewal of our mind. So what transforms, what brings the renewal to our mind? Faith in the scriptures, faith in the word. If our mind cannot be changed by the word, then our bodies won't be changed by the spirit. So we need to take the word as it stands there and simply believe it and start confessing it. Okay? So we need to get this. There's a life that needs to be manifested in mortal flesh in Corinthians chapter 4. So the natural life is a life that we all know it's God-given. God made it, but it's first natural life. But there's a second life. That is revealed through Christ. The first life was revealed through Adam. Second life is revealed through Jesus. So we need to know that he's the first fruits. He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the firstborn from among the dead. Which means we will take our nature after that pattern. Are you in Christ? Okay. Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Yes, uh, Friday I spoke about the baptism and dying and being raised to a new life in Christ. Okay, so I died. Through union with him, I was buried with him in baptism, baptized into his death. Communion, I spoke about that on Thursday. Communion is I share in his sufferings, his broken body. I'm one with his broken body, his sacrifice, and the blood poured out. I believe the bread is his body. I believe the blood is his, the, the, the wine or the juice is his blood. Faith. All right. So we partake of the sacrifice. We are baptized into his death. Now it says, if, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, restore to life your mortal body. So there's a life revealed in Christ. If we can appropriate that life, if we can take a hold of it, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. If we can lay hold of the life that is revealed in Jesus, then whatever he is, we are. 
Whatever he says, we say. Whatever he does, we do. And that's essentially the prayer in John chapter 17. It says, Father, as you have sent me, I sent them. I've given them your glory. So everything that Jesus has is ours. He's the head, we are the body, we are one. I have been crucified with Christ. Communion, baptism. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives within me. And the life I live, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So faith in the finished work of the cross makes me a partaker of the divine nature, says Second Peter chapter 1. So I die and he lives. Adam dies, Christ lives. The first man is buried in baptism, and the second man is raised through fellowship with Christ. I spoke about that on Friday. As Christ was buried, I was buried, co-buried. As Christ was raised, I, I was raised. So as the natural body was sown, the supernatural body was raised. Let's just look at a few scriptures. Uh, where shall we go? I think First Corinthians chapter 15 is a good place. Brits, I am what he says I am. He said it, read it, and that settles it. Awesome. I agree in Jesus' name. All right. So let's just see. You guys can comment and amen. You know, you don't have to be so quiet. I can see everything you say. Here. <laughs> All right. All right. So let me just see. Where are we going? We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. just need to get my brain in the right context. Okay. So, a couple of things before we really start going for it in this chapter. It's a long chapter. I'm not going to do the whole thing. There's not enough time. But he says, verse 25, For Christ must be king and reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Is Christ king? Yes. Is he reigning? Yes. So, oh God, oh God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. Psalm 8, Hebrews chapter 2. Okay? You have crowned him with loving kindness. You have crowned him with glory. Oh, man. You have crowned him with honor and glory. So much, so much, so much, so much. What am I going to leave out? You have set him over the works of your hands. Let me just jump to Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 6, it's been solemnly and earnestly said in a certain place, What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you graciously and helpfully care for and visit and look after him? For some little time you have ranked him lower than inferior than the angels. That word in the original text in Psalms is Elohim. Okay? Little lower, little inferior to God. You have crowned him with glory and honor. And set him over the works of your hands. 
For you have put everything in subjection under his feet. Now listen what Hebrews says. Now in putting everything in subjection to man. Man. He left nothing outside of man's control. Oh, God is ruling and everything that happens is God. No, everything that happens is man. That makes more sense, doesn't it? If you look around what's happening in the world, it's not God, it's man. You have a great mistaken identity of who Jesus really is if you think everything happening in the world is God's sovereign will. That's just a stupid idea. You have put everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to man, he left nothing outside of man's control. So what you believe and what you speak is what's going to happen on the earth. So there needs to be a breakthrough in the, in the collective consciousness of man all over the world. That means we need a revival. And then things change. But at present, at present we do not yet see all things subject to him, but we are able to see Jesus was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, crowned with glory and honor, as Psalm 8 says, because of his having suffered death, in order that by the grace of God to a sinner, he might experience death for every individual person. Which means you don't have to experience it. For it was an act worthy of God and fitting to his divine nature that he, for whose sake and by whom all things have their existence, in bringing many sons into glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. For both he who sacrifices, who, oh, sorry, both he who sanctifies, making men holy, and those who are sanctified all have one Father. For this reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. For he says, I will declare your father's name to my brethren in the midst of the worshiping congregation. So if he declares the father's name, what is he telling you? If he declares the name father in the midst of the worshiping congregation, then who are the worshiping congregation? Then they must be sons. Okay. He experienced death for every individual person. Since verse 14... Uh, These his children share in flesh and blood and physical nature of human beings. He himself in a similar manner partook of the same nature. That by going through death he might bring to naught and make of no effect him who had the power over death, that is the devil. So the power of death, him who had power over death, the devil, the devil, listen. It's not God that brought death. It was the devil that brought death. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. So where, who is the thief? Those who came before me, says Jesus in John chapter 10 verse 8, are the th thieves and robbers from verse 7. Thieves and robbers. Who came before him? Adam. What did Adam believe? He believed the serpent, and he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the one who had power over death the devil has been destroyed. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage and throughout, uh, throughout the whole course of their lives. Natural lives. So if there's fear, there's not faith. They were held through the fear of death and not faith in life. Through the fear of death, they were held in bondage. But through faith in life, we are free. And Jesus is life.
All right. So, oh, brother, I'm not afraid to die. I can die. And that's not what he means, the haunting fear of death. It means there's no more fear, so there's no more death. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm not afraid to die. Oh, when we cross death, Jordan. No, you, there's, oh, the last enemy to be conquered is death. So therefore, you know, uh, Uncle Jack, when he died, he conquered his last. No, death conquered him. You don't conquer death by dying. Then death conquers you. You conquer death by not dying when you're supposed to die. When the natural life is swallowed up by supernatural life. And when the supernatural life manifests in such a way that death has no hold on you, then you conquer death. Right? Can we do it? No, we cannot. But Christ has already done it. So, do you, do you have a glimpse of how much you need Christ yet? Do you have a glimpse on how dependent you are on him yet? We all know that Christ did not take hold of angels fallen angels to give them a helping hand but he did take hold of the fallen descendants of Abram to reach out helping delivering hand alright let's just get back to 1 Corinthians 15 for Christ must be king and reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet the last enemy to be subdued and abolished is death fight the good fight of faith lay hold of life all right so all this talk about oh you don't need faith to be safe because everybody's safe they're keeping you in death if you knock faith people are keeping you in bondage it's a word straight from hell okay verse 33 do not be so deceived and misled Evil companionships, corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. So now he's talking about morals, he's talking about character, he's talking about the outflow that whatever is manifesting. He says, verse 34, awake from your drunken stupor and return to sober sense, your right minds and sin no more. That means believe. And he says, the following for some of you have not the knowledge of god i say this to your shame so he says wake up and get fellowship with christ start experiencing him get the knowledge of god second peter one grace and peace be multiplied to you in the full knowledge of god and then he says uh through these promises uh we can uh escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. Corruption is you die and you rot in, in the grave. The corruption that is in the world through lust. You can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust and become partakers of the divine nature through the precious promises, through the word. Okay. How he says, but someone will say, how can the dead be raised? With what kind of body will they come forth? Just listen to this. You foolish man, every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, germinating, springing up, 
growing unless he dies first. Okay, Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 12. He says, if a seed uh, does not die, it abides alone. But if the seed dies, it brings forth a great harvest like unto itself. So if the seed dies, you plant maize in the ground. The seed dies and then a plant grows out of it. But the end of the growing plant is Many, 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 many more seeds, exactly like the first. Okay, I hope you get this. So it's for multiplying. Jesus died on our behalf. We are the fruit. Okay? But now he's speaking of the body. He says, Now, uh, nor is the seed you sow then the body which is going to have later. Now, this is a different analogy so just listen to the picture that is describing it it is a naked kernel perhaps of wheat or of some of the rest of the grains but god gives to it the body that he plans and sees fit and to each kind of seed a body of its own for all flesh is not the same there's one kind for humans another for beasts another for birds another for fish there are heavenly bodies, sun, moon, and stars. There are earthly bodies, men, animals, plants. But the beauty and glory of the heavenly bodies is of one kind, while the beauty and the glory of earthly bodies is a different kind. The sun is glorious in one way. The moon is glorious in another way. The stars are glorious in their own distinctive way. For one star differs for, from and surpasses another in its beauty and brilliance. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. Listen to this. The body that is sown is perishable and decays. But the body that is resurrected is imperishable, immune to decay, immortal. Now, as you sow a seed and a plant comes up, plant looks different than the seed. Someone is buried, natural body, and raised supernatural body just get the picture okay so the two bodies differ now he says how they differ he says the one is perishable the other is imperishable the one is subject to decay the other one is immune to decay now verse 43 it is sown in dishonor and humiliation it is raised in honor and glory. Just keep your finger there. I'm going to keep my bookmark there. So we go quickly to Philippians chapter 3. And if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you would have heard the scripture. So Philippians chapter, not the last couple of weeks, last couple of weeks I wasn't here, but the last week. <laughs> So Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, We are citizens of the state, the commonwealth which is in heaven. Uh, in the King James it says, our conversation is in heaven. And from it also, so that means we are there and from it. Also, we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus. He didn't say we will be one day citizens in heaven after we died he said we are citizens of heaven we are seated with christ in heavenly places 
Okay, so we are citizens of the state of heaven, and from it also we earnestly and patiently await the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to be in the secret place. No secret place, you're not really waiting for the coming, are you? Verse 21. So you're waiting on the Lord, not waiting for the Lord all the time. So we know we're waiting, something is going to happen in, in, our, in our time paradigm, but... We must wait on the Lord in the secret place for something to change in the natural realm. Verse 21. Who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation? The one is sown in humiliation, right? Who will transform and fashion anew the body of our humiliation to conform to and be like the body of his glory? Sown in humiliation, raised in glory and honor. And majesty by exerting that power which enables him to even subject everything to himself. So here's a group that the body of humiliation is changed. Not by going through death, but by the spirit. By that power which he enables to subject everything to himself. So it's a different group. Those who believe in me, though they die, yet they shall live. But those who continue to live and believe shall not die. Do you see it? Okay, so it is the body of our humiliation. Okay, so just quickly go to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Verse 6 says, For he will render to every man according to his works. So what's the works you believe? John chapter 6, what, what is the work that God requires of us? Verse 29, this is the work that God requires of you, that you believe in the one whom God has sent. So he will render to you according to your works. So if you believe, this will happen to you. Simple. Just don't, don't extrapolate it into the law paradigm. Just think what it says. Just compare scripture with scripture. Verse 7, to those who by patient persistence in well-doing, Springing from piety, seek unseen but sure glory and honor. Do you see it? And the blessedness of immortality, he will give eternal life. So there's a group who will just get it without dying. But then there's a group who will die and be raised and then get it. Either way, you will get it. And the whole history of the natural world is just a blip, a spark in the flame compared to eternity. So in the end, death is defeated. But I want to be part of the group that lives and not dies. Psalm 118, I will not die but live and declare these illustrious acts of the Lord. All right. 1 Corinthians 15. so much so do you see the two bodies so the body looks the same it's just got different attributes the one is sown in humiliation others is sown in glory so you don't suddenly look like an eagle or like a pawpaw you look like you look like but just glorified so the humiliation is transformed or changed into the body of his glory jesus they could recognize him after the resurrection He's the firstborn of many. He's the seed, the first seed of the harvest, the seed that was sown. 
So he's the pattern. So he went through death for us so that by going through it, he might experience death for every person. So now the change, now he gives it to us if we believe him. But no one, if, if it's not preached, it's not going to be believed. And if it's not going to be believed, it's not going to be seen. Yes, we believe that if we die, we are with Christ in heaven. And we know that he will raise us up from the last day. John chapter 6, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we know that he will bring them with him when he comes. So they're coming back here. So eternity is not in heaven. Eternity is in the recreated earth here with him. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. Not let your church go to heaven. He said, let your kingdom come in earth as it is in heaven. The whole point from the beginning is God created a kingdom in which he wants to dwell. So he wants to come here. He's not here to give this earth and this creation over to some false prophet or antichrist or some weirdo with chips in his fingers or something. It's absolute nonsense, man. It's sci-fi rubbish. Where did people get these doctrines? It's not in the Bible. Oh, we're going to fly away, oh glory. You're going to fly away nowhere. There's not one scripture that says you're going to fly anywhere. And you can challenge me on that. There's no way. So, but what does he say? He says, he will come. I will look at first Thessalonians 4. Okay. But listen to this. Okay. How long have we been going? What's the time? Okay. We have some time. Oh, my goodness. All right. Let's go on. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in perishable decays, but the body that is resurrected is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, humiliation, raised in honor. So we, he is raised already, and we are one with him. He is the head, we are the body. So we can be changed into the body of his glory. I hope you get it. Sown in infirmity and weakness, resurrected in strength and endued with power. So the body looks the same. It's just different attributes, different characteristics verse 44 is sown in natural in the in natural body it is raised a supernatural body so supernatural doesn't mean it's it's a spirit supernatural body means it's super on the natural so it means now your body is taking on the power of the supernatural by the power of the spirit we are raised and all these scriptures that we've looked at said it it's by that power that he will transform the body of your humiliation into the body of his glory. The body, same power that he used to subject everything to himself. Uh, Romans 8 verse 11 says, If the same spirit that dwells in us, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, he will also restore to life our mortal, short-lived, perishable bodies through the spirit who dwells in us. So the spirit, the super, comes on the natural, the body, and transformed it into transforms it into the body of his glory so we are clothed over with something called spirit and it changes the characteristics of the body that's what's supposed to happen we're not supposed to die and rot 
and then be risen something else. We're supposed to be changed. But in the end, he is going to, those who died, raise them from the dead and bring them with him. And then they will look like us who are alive and remain and just changed. So there's a group that will die and be resurrected, and there's a group that will be changed. I hope you see it. Sown in natural bodies, raised supernatural body. Just look at Jesus after the resurrection. He could appear and disappear. Then he's there, then he's there. But he said, touch, touch me. He ate with them. A body. But he could disappear, and then he's there. No limitations, no blood, only glory. He shed his blood on the cross. He don't have, he's not alive by blood. He's alive by spirit. Do you see how far the church is away from the manifestation? Oh, we got the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's drain your blood and see. <laughs> Where's our life? Do we already have? Well, we see, see getting healed when we lay our hands on them. A little bit of it. We see something. But how much more is there? You will do the works that I do and even greater works than these because I go to my Father. Where is that for a start? Do you see that we need to embrace this in this window of opportunity of our natural lives until it manifests so much that the window is made bigger? And Do you get it? So speaking of immortality, how about we just push it to 100 or 120? How about we push it to 200 years and show something that no one has seen before? Push it to 400 years then. Then someone dies. And then. How about we at least see that? Prophet Kubis, given seven days to live, pushed it to six years. Come on, man. All right. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. King James, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. So he didn't have the spirit. He had a natural life. Adam did not have the spirit. He was a natural life. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. A quickening spirit. He was, we know he was a man. Jesus. But he was made a quickening spirit. That same spirit is in us. I hope you see these things. First man, Adam, became a living being, a living soul. The last Adam, Christ, became a life-giving spirit, restoring the dead to life. He gave commands. He says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Verse 46, but it is not the spiritual life that came first, but the physical and then the spiritual. That means that doctrine that says that Adam was clothed in glory is wrong because he was a natural man. He was a living soul, not a living spirit. The spirit was only introduced when Jesus came. Yes, the Holy Spirit came upon some prophets and, and some kings in the old. It came and left and came and left. But do you know that you're born again of the spirit? See, there's a difference. Jesus said in, in Matthew, 
was at 11. He said, of all born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because he saw the Christ. But the least in the kingdom is greater than he. Why? Because he's born of the Spirit. None of the others were born of the Spirit. The Spirit came upon them and they did stuff and said stuff. So that means the least one born again is greater than Elisha. It's not the spiritual life that came first, but the physical, then the spiritual. So the first man, natural, was from out of the earth, made of dust, earthly minded. The second man is the Lord from out of heaven. So Adam and Jesus. Adam and Jesus. You can see also the same distinction in Romans 5. Verse 48. Now those who are made of the dust are, are like him who was first made of the dust, earthly minded. Do you want us to remain in Adam? So the problem is, our belief system, is it, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Oh, I've got this bloodline curses and I need to break the bloodline curses. And Hey, have you not died in baptism? Have you not been born again, son of God? That means you are out of the bloodline of Adam. You're no longer in Adam. You are in Christ. And neither are you in the bloodline of Christ because he doesn't have a bloodline. He has a spirit line. It's not a natural life. It's a supernatural life. Hope you see it. Now those who are made of the dust are like him who was first made of the dust, earthly minded. And as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven, heavenly minded. Are you of heaven? Are you from beneath or are you from above? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, so shall we, and so let us also bear the image of the man of him. Have we borne the image of the man of dust? Do you have a video camera? Do you have a memory? <laughs> now he says, so let us also bear the image of the man of him, just as Adam was seen in us. So let Christ be seen in us. Let that divine nature be the thing that we partake of through the knowledge of Christ, through the precious promises. But I tell you this, brethren, flesh and blood, Adam, cannot become partakers of eternal salvation. Incidentally, when Jesus appeared to the, to the disciples next to the sea, he said, I'm flesh and bone. When he appeared to them in the upper room, he said, touch me, flesh and bone, not flesh and blood. No mention of blood because the blood was shed on the cross. Flesh and blood, Adam, cannot become partakers of eternal salvation and inherit and share in the kingdom of God. So he's speaking about those in Adam, the natural life. Nor does the perishable, that which is decaying, Inherit or share in the imperishable, the immortal. So Adam cannot be immortal. Verse 51. Take notice, I tell you a mystery, a secret truth. 
an event decreed by a hidden purpose and counsel of God. We shall not all fall asleep in death like Lazarus. We shall not all die. We shall not all fall asleep in death. But we shall all be changed. Philippians 3.20 So all of us will walk with the changed body of his glory. Some will die, some will not. But there's a group that will not die. He says, we shall all be changed, transformed, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the sound of the last trumpet call. Okay, so, now if you look at the second group, there's those, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, as we behold him through a mirror, the face of Christ in the word, we are transformed into the very same image, from glory to glory, for this is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay? So there's a group that will see him for who he really is. First John 3 verse 2 for those who are making notes. There's a group that will be like him when he comes. Because that's what First John chapter 3 verse 2 says. We know not what we shall be hereafter, but we know this, that when he comes we shall resemble him and be like him. For we shall see him as he really is. There's those who are changed as they look, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. There are those who are, through well-doing, seeking the blessedness of immortality because they're seeking glory and honor by well-doing. What's the well-doing? The works that I do, will you do? Because I go to my Father, John 14, 12. I hope I'm not losing you. Stay with me. So, uh, but then there are those that will be changed that are alive at the moment and in a twinkling of an eye will be changed. And then there are those who died and will be raised. Do you see? So you can get it through change now or you can get it through change when you're alive at the, at the last trumpet. But trumpets through the Bible has always been a message. Okay, and the dead in Christ will be raised imperishable, free, immune from decay. The dead in Christ will be raised. Just, you can put a note there, First Thessalonians 4. And we shall be changed. So who's the we? Those who are alive and remain. And then there are those who are dead in Christ. They will be raised imperishable, but we shall be changed or transformed. So why don't you just now be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind? Transformed into his very own image. Ephesians chapter 4. He gave gifts to the church. He led captivity captives, a train of vanquished throne. He bestowed gifts on men, some to be apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Uh, his intention was the full equipping of the saints that they may do the work of building up the body uh, until we all attain oneness in the faith, until we all uh, get to the full stature and the full nature the image of Christ Christ's own perfection Ephesians 4 verse 53 for this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature this mortal part of us this nature that is capable of dying must put on immortality 
freedom from death. So whether it happens now through change or later through the resurrection, you're going to have it. You're going to have it. But not one of the two options includes a rapture. But we don't have time to major on that. There, there's a playlist on YouTube. Okay? Verse 54. And when this perishable puts on the imperishable, and this that was capable of dying puts on freedom from death, then shall be fulfilled the scripture. Everyone that says everything is fulfilled, this is not fulfilled yet. Then shall be fulfilled the scripture that says, death is swallowed up, utterly vanquished forever, in and unto victory. So death is swallowed up unto victory. All right. In Acts, what's it? Chapter, is it two or three? Christ, the heavens must contain Christ, tell us all is all is fulfilled that is written by the prophets this is not fulfilled yet so Christ is not going to come back until this is fulfilled I hope you get it oh death where is your victory oh death where is your sting now sin is the sting of death make no mistake the wages of sin is death and sin though the body be dead by reason of sin and guilt Okay, Romans 8.10. Sin is the sting of death. And sin, sin exercises its power upon the soul through the law. So if you're going to touch on the law and live in condemnation, you are ministering death to your body. Because first in the soul, whatever dwells in your soul will touch your body. So if the spirit of life dwells in your soul, it will touch and quicken your mortal body. If you don't understand what I mean by soul, there's a whole playlist of mind and spirit, soul, body teachings. Get it. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory, making us conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. Death is an enemy. The last enemy to be conquered is death. Christ conquered. Now we are more than conquerors. All right. 2 Corinthians 5. If we're going to go on to all the scriptures that I thought I was going to do, we might be here still a while. So let's see how long we can go. We know that if the tent, natural body, which is our earthly Adam, natural body, is destroyed. We have from God a building, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Okay? King James, we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, building that is of God, and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So right now, that body is in the supernatural, in the unseen. Right? Here indeed, in this present abode, 
this present body, we sigh and groan inwardly like all creation is groaning for the sons of God to be made manifest, Romans 8. Okay, so you see, we sigh and groan inwardly because we yearn to be clothed over. We yearn to put on our celestial body like a garment to be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling. I just want to demonstrate something. I do not have my jacket on. Now, if I put my jacket on, did my body disappear and it was only the jacket left? No. No, the jacket was just put on top of the body. Does that make sense? Okay. Don't don't forgive me for the oversimplified analogy, but just read. We yearn to put on our heavenly or celestial body like a garment to be fitted out with our heavenly dwelling. So this is my dwelling. I'm dwelling in my clothes. I'm dwelling in my clothes more than I'm dwelling in my house. Because if I leave my house, the clothes that I'm dwelling in goes with me. Okay. I have much, many clothes. I don't wear the same thing all the time, but still. Okay? So that by putting it on, we may not be found naked or without a body. Right. So... We're not supposed to be naked without a body. Your body clothes your spirit. So inside this body is the spirit. Your spirit testifies together with God's spirit that you are sons of God. So you have a spirit. And that spirit lives inside the body. So the body clothes the spirit. But now he says, For while we are still in this tent, the natural body, we groan under the burden and sigh deeply, way down, depressed, depressed. Not that we want to put off the body, the clothing of the spirit, but rather that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal, our dying body, may be swallowed up by life. Supernatural body clothing it over. So inside my natural body, there is the spirit. My body is the clothing of the spirit. I don't want to put off the body, but be further clothed. So that the natural body can be swallowed up by the clothing. So that... What is mortal... What is mortal cannot inherit, remember? What is mortal may be swallowed up by life, which is the inheritance. Now he who has fashioned us and preparing and making us fit for this very thing is God, who has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. Now, our spirit inside has the Holy Spirit, so we are made holy. So we are now no longer in Adam, we are in Christ. So now Christ is in this body. He dwells in this body and he's restoring to life this mortal flesh until this body puts on a celestial thing, something that is from heaven and it clothes us over until death is swallowed up 
unto victory. Death is swallowed up in life. Do you, do you understand that you need the life that comes out of the spirit to touch your natural body? So is there a resurrection? Yes. Has the resurrection taken place? No. Jesus' resurrection has taken place. But the rest, no, because there's still graves with people in it. Oh, but the resurrection has taken place because people are raised in heaven to a celestial body. No, it's not what it says. Some people say you die here and you're raised immediately in heaven. No, you're not, heaven is not the last stop. Jesus died because he's the pattern. Jesus died. And he was raised again out of the grave here. And he was seen here for 40 days. The reason that he's not on the, visible on the earth now is because he chose to step into the supernatural for our sake to be our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Forever interceding for us because he lives forever. This Jesus that you saw him go will come back the same way you saw him go. Said the two men in the cloud. Man. When Jesus ascended, Acts chapter 1. A cloud came and received him out of their sight. Shall I go into that? Okay. I'm just going to touch on it. If you, if you don't understand what I'm saying now, watch the end time series. The, the playlist on YouTube and also watch the life playlist. Okay. And if you don't know, send me a message and I will I will explain it in more detail. First Thessalonians chapter four. Okay, before we do First Thessalonians four, let's just quickly go to Hebrews chapter one. I just want to explain the cloud. <clears throat> 